Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. We're talking with Richard Salazar, who is the founder of the Free Speech Movement, the website, speechmovement.org. It's important you go there, join up, help them out, become a member of Speech Movement. Uh, it's extremely important for all of us. You know, you talk about free speech, and one of the essences of free speech is exactly that. You do have the right to say whatever you want to say. Uh, you do not have the right to force someone to listen to you or believe you or agree with you. But that is the essence of freedom is being able to express publicly, privately, in any way you want to, what you think about any issue. Uh, that's what debates are about. That is what education is supposed to be about. What's so tragic to me and, and just mind boggling is when a university prevents uh, conservative speakers from coming on campus or the students and they're allowed to get away with it. Safe zones. Uh, you know, you're hurting my feelings. Therefore, we will shut you up. Uh, that's not what learning that is about. That's not what true education is about. Yeah, I completely agree. But unfortunately, there are powerful voices up in Washington and around the country who control the Board of Education and who control the the, uh, you know, parent teacher associations who control the, you know, the local uh, the local, um, you know, implementation of of classes. And uh, it's it's at a point now where something has to be done in a grand way, in a grand way. You know, back in 2010, when uh, Hillary was running for president, she supported the idea that the Supreme Court uh, pushed back on corporations that would um, that would have anything uh, bad to say about political candidates. Well, guess who was running in 2010 for president? Hillary. Right. And so that's where we are in this country. We're at a point where they're just outright arrogant about what they believe. They're arrogant in their approach. And who's giving them the arrogance? Who's motivating them toward that? Media, big tech, powerful politicians. When I set this organization up, the first thing I did was I set up an office in in the Washington, D.C. area. I was thinking about not doing it 
And I had a lot of people say to me, you know, Rich, you probably should not do that because then that just kind of puts you in the same realm with everybody else. It makes you kind of look like you're just going to play political games with, um, you know, with the movement. And I thought about not doing it. And then I said, you know, we're going to do it. We need to show them that we're going to take the fight to them. And what we're doing is we're going to get out there. We're going to influence change. And then we're going to get out. We're not going to stick around and uh, and play footsie with these politicians. We're just not going to do it. We're going to be a voice loud enough where we can come out there and say to them, listen, enough's enough. We're tired of this. Change policy. And not just talking about it, but getting congressional approval and then followed by a presidential signature. That's what we're looking for. We need big changes in this country. We need it now. How do you expect to go about that? You know, I look at this whole problem as we keep swatting at the little arms of the octopus of the Hydra. Right. We have to actually get to the Hydra itself, to the core. That's Mm -hmm. what needs to be eliminated. How do we do that? So it's all in the power of numbers, Dr. Dan. It's all in the power of numbers. This is why we're investing heavily in, um, in grabbing the attention of, it, of as much market share and as many people in this country as we can. We believe that we can succeed with at least 20 or 30 million people rallied behind our movement. If we can get 20 to 30 million people behind us in Two, within two years, well, that's a powerful voice. I believe that 60% of the country is behind, uh, behind our messaging and behind our movement, not behind a political party, not behind a political persuasion, but behind the, uh, the, the thought that we oppose the cancel culture. We are with these guys. We want to protect free speech. We believe that there are a number of Democrats who would support us. I mean, my God, Bill Maher should be on board with us. Bill Maher just a couple of days ago, uh, again, said that he was not uh, supportive of the cancel culture and that he supports the right to free to free speech. Well, okay, if we can get Bill Maher on board, then we can get a lot of people on board on that side and become a powerful voice from both sides to say to Washington, hey, enough's enough of this Well, that's a good point, I think, is that if you are not allied in people's minds with a political party, it increases your chances of being heard. Mm -hmm. And people can put aside those divisive anger uh, and all that stuff that divides us and say, well, we can unite about a common a common problem. And that is we are not being allowed to speak our minds freely in public. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we're now at a point in our country where the left wants to empower the government to put people behind bars for advancing certain political ideas. I mean, this is where we are now. Who, who, nobody would have thought about this five years ago. And now here we are. And this is where it's going. And it's just a test. They're pushing. They're prodding to see if we're going to rise up or if we're going to sit back. And right now, there are uh, our, our silencing are not saying or doing anything is giving them um, is giving them wind in their sails to go to 
these kinds of extremes where now if you say the wrong thing, there's a chance you can end up behind bars. So this goes back to what you were talking about earlier in terms of how do we get this done? Well, we need to become a powerful voice. We need to become united as one. We need numbers behind us. If we can get numbers, then that is, that's 60, 70% of the battle. Listen, if we can get 50 million people to stop shopping at, you know, at Kohl's or uh, Bed Bath and Beyond or any, you know, any big box uh, outlet that opposes free speech. Well, that's a loud voice. When we hit them in their revenues, that's probably the loudest voice America has. Right. Go ahead. So one of the things that we really have to be concerned about, though, um, Richard, is education. And I think that's another area that is where we're failing miserably. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very fortunate in our county. We have a large homeschool population. And one of the things that's kind of funny when you, to me is when you have all these kids complaining about having virtual education, and I think they're probably better off with virtual education than they are getting fed the crap that they're fed mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. schools. So one of the problems that we really must address when it comes to free speech is in some way monitoring the curriculums that our students are being taught. They're being brainwashed from an early age. Mm -hmm. You start looking and listening to what grade school children are being taught, not just in speech areas, but in in things that they don't even belong. I mean, what six or seven year old knows anything about what gender they want to be? Right. Stuff like that. I mean, this is first of all, it's morally wrong. But it just destroys the 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 children of that generation to be to be confronted continually with an agenda that is completely uh, it's it's really should not be. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I'm a product of of homeschooling. I I was homeschooled uh, and I did just well. Uh, I did I did just fine uh, with homeschooling, and I'm proud to uh, to be a, a product of of homeschooling. And uh, I think it works if it's done the right way. But unfortunately, most children aren't afforded that opportunity, so they have to go to uh, to public school. And yeah, we do need to monitor that, right? I have two children that are in that are in um, elementary school right now, and I'm watching it very closely. Uh, I don't want to have to put out the budget to put them in in private school, but I will if I have to. But why should I? The public school should not be in in a position where they're empowered to to indoctrinate children on um, on gender or to indoctrinate them on uh, on political persuasions. That's not their job. Their job is to teach children how to succeed in life and to be economically productive. That's their job, not to not to decide for them what political persuasions they're going to graduate with. That's not the role of. Of, of the school system. Unfortunately, the school systems across this country have been politicized and they do now have an agenda. And for me, I'm watching very closely. I'm watching very closely to see what's going on with that. And if I have to pull my children out, I will. But before I do that, I'm going to make sure as the chairman of this movement that I'm doing everything I can 
to influence change across the country in uh, in the school system. I mean, we have to. This is where it starts. It starts there. This is what happened in in Germany uh, during the um, you know the Nazi takeover. It started with the kids. They got a hold of the kids. I mean, th- that's what you do, right? You, you the children are young. They're they're pliable and they're uh, easily persuaded if you can make a, a viable argument. And so they're starting them really really young. And we do have to watch that. And part of what we're going to be doing is um, is talking to the uh, to the school boards and the school districts around the country and uh, and also tying that into Washington to make sure that we have, um, you know, that we have influence uh, with that. But again, it all comes back to the numbers. It all comes back to the numbers. Our goal is to have 15 to 20 million people in our movement by 2023. If we do that, they'll start listening to us. You know, I agree with you. I think numbers are extremely important. And to get back to education, I mean, here's another example where they're using labels to really push us into a corner. How could you possibly imagine that math could be a racist subject? And yet here we have people in power saying that if you require someone to get the correct answer in math, it's racist. Um, it reminds me of, a, of a, a talk I had with a friend of mine who's um, quite a bit on the left. And I was talking to him about things like that. And I said, for instance, I said, to me, two plus two is always four. And he looked at me and smiled. He said, well, that depends. And I'm thinking, depends. It depends on what? You know, how can you possibly learn science or physics or engineering or chemistry if you can't add two and two and get four without considering that to be some kind of a racist uh, adventure? That's right. You know, it's interesting you should bring that up because a couple of years ago, my daughter, who at the time was in uh, she was in second grade, she was doing homework and um, the, some of her homework was, uh, wasn't being checked. And so I talked to the teacher and I said, why is her homework not being checked and why am I not getting updates on her homework? She said, well, I don't really check their homework. <laughs> I said, what do you mean you don't check their homework? She said, well, we're not really allowed to. I said, what? You're not allowed to check their homework? That's the whole point of school. That's the whole point of homework is for you to check in to monitor the progress so that my children are getting a decent education. Why aren't you checking the homework? Well, elementary schools are not allowed to really comment on the homework of children because if we give them a bad grade, it might psychologically damage them. Well, I checked around town and I found out that, in fact, that's true. They don't check their homework. They don't grade them. They just give them a well done for at least trying. I was deeply, deeply concerned about that. Uh, I use that example because it kind of ties into what you're talking about. They want to be sensitive. They want to make sure that we're not, you know, that we're not um, saying anything that might offend the wrong, you know, the wrong race in school. I'm Hispanic. Right. I'm Mexican. And um, I was raised in a way where if something said in school, all right, well, toughen up, buttercup. It's free speech. You know, people are going to say things. I remember people saying things 
about me that I didn't like. I went to school in England. I lived in England for a number of years growing up. And, you know, I was the only American in, uh, in a farmland school in the middle of Great Britain. How do you think that went over? They were, you know, for the first two weeks, they loved me. But after that, boy, let's get the American. Let's laugh at him. Let's make fun of him. You know, and I was called a Yank. I was called a Yankee. I was called every name in the book. And I'd, I'd come home crying. I'd go crying to the teachers. And the teachers are just like, you know what? That's just their kids are kids. Can you imagine if they were saying that now? You know, what if they, you know, called me? I was at school and a derogatory you know, uh, something derogatory was said about me being Hispanic. You know, boy, they'd go after whoever it is. And, hey, you can't say that. And, and you know, they get the parents and punish them. And, and it's just it's a slippery slope and it's dangerous. And that's all part of the cancel culture movement. Now, do I want kids to, to experience what I experienced? Absolutely not. But, you know, we have to take the good with the bad. We're in a country where free speech is just that free speech. Uh, but the education system, they need to really just get a clue and get off board and get on board with the, you know, get off board of the cancel culture, culture, get on board with let's just educate our kids so that they're economically successful in this country and let's leave politics out of it. Well, you really can't be econ- economically and financially successful if you don't have an education. It really comes down to that. Mm-hmm. We have lost really two generations of children now. They are the ones who are the useful idiots of this current uh, of this current movement. Yeah. They, they think that what they're doing is right. They think they've been brainwashed to believe that they are promoting some kind of fantastic future for all of us. Mm-hmm. When if you know anything about history, you know that all dictators depended upon useful idiots Mm-hmm. to have the numbers to take over countries, mm-hmm. to take over governments. Yeah. And in the case of, of Stalin, uh, uh, Joseph Stalin in Russia, he's the one who coined that phrase mm-hmm. after they be, after they took power in Russia. You know what happened to the useful idiots. Mm-hmm. They were all killed. Uh, mm-hmm. They were done away with because they weren't useful anymore. He used them to obtain power the intelligentsia, the educated, all these people who thought, well, we're going to bring some kind of nirvana to earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, it was just a dictatorship. It's a, it's a cycle of history that is repeated over and over again. And it's not just a cycle. It's a philosophy, right? It's a way of doing business to take over a country or to take over uh, politically. I was watching a movie not too long ago where uh, I forget what um, what part of Africa, what country in Africa it was, but uh, this um, this political organization were handing machine guns to 10 year olds and eight year olds and um, and teaching them how to how to use firepower against the opposition. That's kind of common in, in a lot of different places around the country. And although we're not handing machine guns to our children here, we're handing them psychological machine guns. We're handing them a, um, a uh, you know, a, an indoctrination that is equivalent to that, in my opinion. You know, I remember, um, you know, listening to Rush Limbaugh a while back and he calls uh, he used to use uh, screw in reference to schools. And because it's exactly that in the education system, the kids are being screwed over when it comes to 
proper education and the purpose for uh, for what going to school is all about. Um, and I think that's a that's a pretty good uh, picture. That's a that's a good word picture for where we are in this country in terms of the children. And it's going to get worse, Dr. Dan. It is going to get worse. This is just the beginning. This is why this movement and others are so important. This is why your voice is so important. But it's not just talking about it. It's doing. You know, what what gets me really angered or aggravated is when I listen to a lot of influential voices around the country talk about how bad we have it in terms of the cancel culture, but yet they're not doing anything about it, right? It's time for some of these guys, and I'm not referencing you, doctor, but there are other you know, powerful voices behind microphones who need to get from behind those microphones and start putting you know, action to their words. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything, everything, everything.